those three arrows, the three arrows of deliverance and influencing the next generation. We talked about how true deliverance comes from the Lord and how in our story of the death of Elisha, as the king has come to meet Elisha at the end of his life, he says, I want you to fire this arrow out of the window. Now I want you to take the arrows and I want you to strike the ground. And he strikes it three times. One, two, three. And Elisha gets angry and he says, why didn't you strike the ground four, five, or six times? Then you could have, you could have struck the Syrians and you could have delivered a powerful blow. Why would you only do it three times? Why just those three strikes? And as we look at that, like as like you say, well, maybe could I could imagine here taking three arrows and like striking the ground. I'd feel kind of silly. Maybe he felt silly as he was doing it. Maybe he didn't have a clue what was going on because he didn't realize that when Elisha said something, it was usually probably pretty important. But probably the most likely reason that he struck the ground only three times and Elisha, we, we kind of get a hint because of Elisha's reaction. The king, Jehoash, didn't, didn't believe. He didn't have the faith that God had the ability to strike the enemy. That he didn't have the power to, to do what he had promised. And so he missed out on God's blessing. And, and I got to tell you, you know, I kind of picture this as some sometimes um, we miss out on what might be the best blessings because of maybe our, we just don't believe we we take the time we get up caught up into our routine and we might miss the blessings that God has for us. And maybe we should change the way we do things. I was trying to think of an example this morning and I used I thought about it and I thought to myself. I've I've got some strange things that I do, and you probably do too. Like, for instance, my favorite cereal since I was a kid was Lucky Charms. So I get a bowl of Lucky Charms. I, I'm just excited. I can't remember the last time I had a bowl of Lucky Charms. But my wife, she kind of laughs at me because you know what, what I do when I eat the Lucky Charms? I eat all the cereal pieces first. And I saved the marshmallows to the end. Now, she could come up right behind me, take the spoon away, and t start eating the marshmallows. No problem. I, I get so mad at her. <laughs> so mad. How can you eat the marshmallows before you've eaten all the cereal pieces? Or, or maybe, gentlemen, you could probably relate to this. You go out to a restaurant with your wife, and you're, you're hungry. So you order, like, this big meal. And she's like, oh, I'm not too hungry. I'm going to get a steak. I mean, I'm going to get a salad. Salad. Yeah. You get the steak. And then the, the meal comes. And what happens? She's eating off of your plate. You know what I mean? How many of you guys that's happened to you before? I don't need to raise of hands, but you, you know. I see Sean and Michelle are having a conversation down here. But anyway, <laughs> we've all been there. We've all done it. And as, as I think about that, you know, God's got good things for us. And we're missing out on them. And I'm going to talk about 
three arrows of deliverance that God has for us that can deliver a powerful blow to the enemy. And I'm going to talk about three things that may keep us from dealing that blow. Because and, and here's here's my logic. You know, the king he comes and he, he one, two, three. Why just what? Why only three? You mean you mean you could have struck the ground four times, or five times, or six times? And so my whole thought today is is God has amazing arrows and I got three of them because of the three arrows today but God has so many more blessings you know that's the message of the New Testament life with Christ is better you have grace mercy redemption salvation reconciliation, and we could just go on and on and on with all hope of all these things that God has for you and ways that you can defeat the enemy. Tools, arrows, things that you could have in your quiver. We could take a trip to the, to the armor of God and put that on and have things that we could fight the enemy. And we could just list and list and list things. But I chose three today. I want to keep it simple. And then I said there's three things that may be keeping us from delivering the blow that we need to. So I'd like you to take your Bible. And I'd like you to turn to the book of John. The book of John. And while you're turning to the book of John, I'm going to turn to the book of 2 Kings. Okay? Because my point is, is I want to go back to the text. And I kind of want to read 2 Kings chapter 13. And I just want to read the text of the king with the arrows and Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 15, it says, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. He said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. And he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you have struck, should have struck five or six times. Then when you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. So we get to the book of John chapter 15 and when we're in John chapter 15 Jesus is coming to the end of his life and I, I as I was putting this together I thought about this because I love this passage of scripture because Jesus Christ Christ a number of times in the book of John says I can provide you if you follow me 
I will provide you greater things. Love that phrase. Comes right out of the book of John. And when I think I, I have, have you think about and consider a relationship with Jesus Christ, the point of that relationship with Jesus Christ, the reason he came to this earth, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and ascended into heaven, is to provide you with life. Eternal life. And that's amazing. I'm so glad that because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that we can go to heaven to live with Him. But more than that, the life that He provides you now and forever is greater. Through the trials, through the heartaches, it's a greater kind of life. I sat with somebody who's experienced life with Christ for a long, long time yesterday. And she talked to me. She told me her story, her, the testimony of her life. I've never heard the testimony of her life. I've met her once or twice before in my life, but I was so glad to go and talk to, sit and talk to her and learn some things about her. And she told me, when I was a kid, I, I went to church when I was like 10. And as I was going home from church, I was riding with this lady who took me to church and brought me home. And she she. She had me in the car and she said, you need to be saved. You need to trust Jesus. She said, I'm not sure I want to. She said, you need to be saved. You need Jesus. And she said, this woman's not going to let me out of the car unless I say I trust Jesus. So she said, I trust Jesus. But she went home and she goes, no, I don't trust Jesus. And she lived her life for a while. And she became an adult. And someone came. And they said, you know, this life's going to be hard. And after she'd lived her life a while, someone came They came into her room. And they said, here's what Jesus Christ did for you. Here's what he has to offer you. Here's how much he loves you. Would you choose to love Jesus Christ? And she heard that as a choice. And not, you can't get out of this car until you've accepted Jesus Christ. And she said, I choose Jesus Christ. And her and her husband chose Jesus Christ. And someone presented it that way in their living room. And I heard that and I go, wow, I learned something. And you know what she said? She said, after that, my, my world like just started to fall out from underneath me. And all these trials and problems started to come. And it was hard. But I had Jesus. She said, here I am. Six, 55 years later. I'm so glad I had Jesus. I never could have taken another day, another step without Jesus. All those hard times would have been impossible without Jesus. I wouldn't be sitting here today and I would trade nothing for Jesus. And I said, wow, that's the, the greater things that Jesus Christ provides. And so Jesus Christ comes and at the end of his life,
He's been saying all along, I, I love I love reading the story of Jesus because there's no surprises with Jesus. He's just like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to do it. And when you see it, you'll know it's happening because I promised you it. I think of the book of Isaiah. He is a God who declares the, the end from the beginning, from ancient times. He has been saying the things that are not yet done. Love that. And here's Jesus Christ again at the end of his life. He says, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead and I'm going to heaven. Here's what you can expect. Because you've got an enemy out there. He's going to attack you. But you need tools to fight the enemy. So Jesus Christ gives us three greater things. The three arrows of deliverance. And if you, if you embrace these things, you accept them and you let them to be a part of your life, they will help you defeat the enemy. They are that amazing. John chapter 15 and verse 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, you probably know it. It says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, the first arrow of deliverance that we have to deliver a powerful blow to the enemy is the love of God. The love of God that can enter our life, that can be there and can help us to get through the hard times. It is bigger than any problem that we could face. It is stronger than any any difficulty And it can carry us through the most difficult of roads that we have to walk down. I'm so thankful that that Jesus Christ sent his son to show us the love of God. One of the greater things that God has given to us, we find in John chapter 16, verses 7 to 11. John 16, 7 to 11. We read this in... Sunday school this morning in the men's Sunday school class. And it's very, very important for us here today. It says in John 16, verses 7 to 11, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to the father and you see me no more and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, now think about it. The whole point here today is those arrows of deliverance from the enemy. The first one that we need is the love of God. The love that would that would allow Jesus Christ to leave his throne in heaven, to live amongst us and to die for us, to lay down his life 
on our behalf so we could experience salvation from sins. That's an arrow that will defeat the devil, right? Eternally. He, he cannot, he, he has no chance because the victory is already run because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Second, the, the, the devil wants to deceive you. He wants to tell you a lie and he wants you to believe the lie. But Jesus Christ has provided the helper, the Holy Spirit, who when he left this world and went up to, to live for and to prepare a place in heaven for us, he sent his spirit to help us through the, the hard times. And don't, and don't think that that's a small gift. The Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of you to carry you through the difficult times, to, to lead you and guide you, is a big, important thing. Did you read the end of verse 11? It says, of, that, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The devil's, he's done. He's over. He's guilty. And his sentence is coming. And I, I can't wait. I, I have a picture in my mind, and I'm sure that my picture does not compare to what my eyes are going to see. So often we get these images in our minds of something that's going to happen. And often... We get let down by what we pictured in our minds and what reality was. But sometimes it's not the case. Like you, you hear about Niagara Falls and you've seen a waterfall going up and down the street. But then when you get to Niagara Falls and you step out and you see it, you go, wow, right? Or the Grand Canyon or, or some amazing things around this world. And they're greater than what your mind pictured before you got there. When it comes to, to, to the Bible... I picture the end of our enemy, the devil. And I picture Jesus Christ grabbing that old dragon and throwing him into the lake of fire for all of eternity. And in my mind, it's just the most amazing thing I can think of. And he's gone, and I'm sure all of heaven will cheer and shout hallelujah. But here it says... Holy Spirit's here. The price has been paid. The cross is the cross is done. The resurrection of the devil of Jesus Christ from the dead is final. Satan is judged and he's finished. That's a greater thing, greater form of deliverance. And the third arrow, the first one was the love of God. The second one was the helper, the Holy Ghost, who will come and live inside of you. And the third one is prayer. One of those greater things, the, the, the amazing thing that when Jesus Christ, when he left, he said, this is what I'm going to leave you. A greater prayer life is available to you who live in the church. In John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24, it says, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy 
may be full. Do you understand how amazing it is to be a part of the church? If you want to go to God, you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to someone and say, I have this prayer request and I want to go to God and I know I can't get it. You can go to Jesus Christ at any time. You read the book of Hebrews. We can go before the throne of grace at any moment and lift our petitions to God and he hears and he acts. Amazing. Wonderful. You don't need Moses. You don't need some priest to go to God on your behalf. You can at any moment go to God and he hears and he listens because Jesus Christ is your mediator. He's the go-between. And, and if you expand that a little bit, he gave you the Holy Spirit so that when things are so rough and this world is pressing in on so many sides, that Holy Spirit can help you in your prayer life. And you have the love of God which says, I love you so much and I'm your heavenly father and I hear and I want to help you. And every day it just gets better and better and better. But, I think, and we have to, we have to think about this from the, the point of Elisha. So there's got to be a but. In the story, they gave up. The king gave up after three attempts. And in our life, maybe whether it be whether it be our prayer or whether the Holy Spirit's with us or whether we think about the the love of God, we give up after two or three times. Maybe we feel silly when we pray. Maybe we like the king. You know, we, we don't know what's going on. We don't know if God is listening. But we give up. How how often have we started praying something for something? But we don't continue it until we see God answer. We don't keep knocking on the door. I, I, I love the way that, God, that Jesus talks about it. He says, when you come to someone in the middle of the night and you have, have a need for them, start knocking on the door and keep knocking on the door. Eventually they'll get up just because they don't want the whole neighborhood to wake up and be embarrassed. And the name of God, is God's name is important to him. And so if you have a request, and you pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the name of the Lord will be glorified through this. And you keep praying and you keep praying. God is going to answer. God is going to do something amazing. He will answer your request. Sometime, and this is something I've been saying a lot. And I said over and over again, it doesn't come from me. But I put it up here as the quote that I read that I love. And I've been saying this to a lot of people recently. Some answers to prayer come like torpedoes. Some prayers come like tortoises, slowly but surely. God will answer your, your prayers. This week I heard people say to me, God's answered the prayers, God's answered the prayers, God's answered the prayers. I heard that a lot this week. I also heard a lot of people ask for prayers. But in some of those prayer requests, God answered like that. He said, before, before I could ask you, Pastor, God answered the request. Before I could get I could get in touch with you, God answered. God answered that real fast, but then sometimes God's in for the long game. And we need to be committed too. And we need to make sure that 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 we are consistent and faithful 
in our prayer life. And sometimes we're half-hearted. Sometimes when we should be striking ground one, two, three, four, five, six times, we stop after three. And our prayer life is hurt. And we don't see the miracles that God would have for us. And so I put down here, there are three dangers. And I'm looking up up biblical verses to to help us think about this. There are three dangers of a half-hearted prayer life. You have a great weapon in your arsenal. You have arrows in your quiver that God has given to you to help defeat the enemy. To make your Christian life greater. And you can send those arrows to God and he will throw them right back down at the devil with the force of heaven behind it. But we don't take advantage of what is going on. I had us in the scripture reading this morning. We were supposed to read Matthew chapter 21, not 22. But in Matthew chapter 21, as I was picking that scripture... I kind of looked at the context. And I thought about the triumphal entry. And I thought about what we are talking about about today. The arrows of deliverance that God has for us. The, the, The things that God can give you in your life so that you can see Christian victory and triumph in your spiritual life. And prayer is an important thing. And then I thought about Jesus going into the temple. I personally believe, and I'll try and explain this one day, that Jesus went into the temple twice in his ministry and drove the money changers out and and scolded them for the way that they were behaving. And as he's doing that, he says, you have taken the house of God and you have turned it into a den of thieves. Why did Jesus Christ do that? Because he said God's house, the temple, was supposed to be a house of, what's the word? Prayer. I said it before and I said it again. I know this isn't the temple. This is not the temple in Jerusalem. There is no Holy of Holies. There is no Ark of the Covenant. There's no veil that we can't go behind. But this is the building That we as a body of believers have set apart and said, this is the church building. So what what is the church building? I, I know it's important that we come here so we can have fellowship. That's very, very, very important. We read that in the scriptures. It's a place where we we study the word of God. But right now there's not a temple in Jerusalem, right? There will be. But right now, there's not. As the Bible said, and we believe what the Bible says about the past, present, and future. But since I can't go to the temple, there ought to be a house of prayer. And I think that for the church age, a building like this is supposed to be a place where you pray. And so I ask you this question. Since you've come into the doors of this church, have you prayed? Oh, I know. We prayed corporately. But have you personally lifted up your request before God? I hope so. I encourage you to to let that be something that is important to you. Even if it's, okay, I came through the doors of the church. 
Lord, I thank you that I can be here. It'd be, it'd be awful rude to go into a guest's house and not even say hello, wouldn't it? When you come into God's house, you better talk to your Heavenly Father. You better say hello to Him. Let Him know how you're doing. Let Him know how He can help you. Lift up your requests to the Lord. And then, this whole passage of Scripture leads up to Verses 21 and 22. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Do, do you know something that I've I have found personally in my life? Is that the prayers that I lift up to God and the things that I commit to God in prayer, God always exceeds my expectations. He hasn't let me down once. I know, I know that in my prayer life, I've let him down because I've said, God, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray about this. I got to pray about this. But I've given up after once or twice or three times. But when I've committed something to prayer and I've prayed about it, and prayed about it, prayed about it, he's always met and exceeded my expectations. He's faithful. He will answer your prayers. James chapter 4 is going to be our next scripture. In James chapter 4, I'd like us to look at another way that half-hearted prayer can limit the blow to the enemy. James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, it says, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot attain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Sometimes we have... Low expectations, and those low expectations limit our prayer life. We ask God, and we, we say, you know, God, here's my request, but I don't, I don't know if you can do this. God, here's what's going on. I, I've got this sin in my life, but I don't know if you can help me with it. And so, because we're not praying to, because we're not praying in a way that we actually act like we believe God that He can give us victory. That He can help us, that He can hear us, and that He can act? We fall short. We fail. And we go into our prayer life with low expectations. And God says, well, you don't have faith that I can do it. Let's see if we can't grow your faith. Let's see if we can't 
help you along these ways. And the third thing that I put down here, it goes along the same line. We've got the one thing that can lower our prayer, our prayer life, that we're skeptical. Uh, another one, we have low expectations. And the third one is that we have small desires. We have small desires. When we go to God, there's things that we would like to ask. But we don't ask. And because we don't ask, God waits for us to ask. He waits for us to grow. He waits for us to really, truly believe in Him. Let's read in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. In Matthew chapter 17 it says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So often Jesus talks about how when you pray and you go to God in prayer and you think that something is impossible, God can come through. And God can do the impossible. And even as I, it's funny, even as I look around the room and I just kind of take a look and I've listened to some of your stories. I know that God's done the impossible in getting you to this point where you are today. We have a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So I'd like to ask you today, we have an adversary, the devil, we have an enemy. He would like to deceive you. He would like to drag you down. He would like to destroy you. But God has given you three things. Three things that Jesus Christ left when he went to heaven. He said, you're going to do battle against the enemy. And here's the three things I want you to use. Use the love of God. Greater love has no one than this, has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. And the commandment is, love your neighbor as yourself. Second, he's given you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And when he comes, he will teach you. He will guide you. He will help you. And third, he's given you prayer. And he said that prayer will make a world of difference. It will change your life. Pray. And just like Elisha said to the king, keep keep on striking the ground. Keep on. Today, if you've got the, that prayer request that you have in your life, keep pounding the gates of heaven. Keep lifting those things up. And remember, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ask and you will, see, you will receive. 
Jesus Christ is the Bible is filled with these messages of God to keep on pounding the gates of heaven with prayer. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Listen to Him. Love the world as Christ would have you to love. And don't give up. Keep your faith strong and follow the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, I praise you, I praise you for these greater things that you have promised to us. The love of God, the Holy Spirit, and prayer. I pray, Lord, that you might help us to use them, to use them in great and powerful way. And Lord, I pray that you might help us to avoid these pitfalls in our prayer life. That we'll come to you with faith. That we'll ask believing. We'll believe that you who have called us is able to do it. Lord, I praise you for being our Savior. I praise you for the way you've changed your life. Help us to be faithful and committed prayer warriors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.